The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a fake billionaire to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is special pleading, also known as ad hoc reasoning and double standards. So special pleading is basically where you have an excuse for for not holding yourself to the same standards as you hold other people to. Oh, okay. It doesn't have to necessarily be yourself. It can be a person that you favor or a, or a situation that you like. And this mm-hmm. is something that's so common. We definitely, definitely all do it. I do it. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm sure everyone listening to this does it because it's just one of those confirmation bias things. When, mm-hmm. when you have, for example, a politician that you favor and, and you think that politicians in general shouldn't do things, but that politician does it yeah you look for reasons why it's okay if they okay, do, it. Them to do it okay yeah. yeah yeah it's just completely natural you you ascribe good motivations to people you like including yourself and and negative uh, motivations to to other people so it's really really hard to avoid doing but it's good to know that it exists and spot yeah. when other people are doing it and try and avoid doing it yourself as much as you can yeah. So for our first example, it's actually a kind of a whole series of events that Trump did starting back in August of 2015. He released a campaign position paper, which was called Immigration Reform That Will Make America Great Again. And he detailed in it his plan to have a, a requirement to hire American workers first. Mm-hmm. He said that basically there's there's too much too many foreign people being hired, essentially. And right. we need to make sure that, that American companies hire American people from the domestic pool of unemployed people to, to right. increase American jobs, which is fair enough. Yep. The goal. Not bad. The difficulty is that he doesn't practice what he preaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And over the past eight years, before up, up to 2015, Trump had actually hired over a thousand foreign workers on oh, temporary really? visas to right. work at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, yeah. um, as cooks, waiters, housekeepers, and maids, and people like that. Paid them around ten to twelve dollars an hour, which is the benefit of getting foreign workers on temporary visas because they you don't have to pay them as them. much as yeah. you have to pay American people. Mm-hmm. But obviously, this is in stark contrast to what he's saying everyone yeah, should yeah. do. Yeah. So in the 11th Republican presidential candidate debate in March 2016, Marco Rubio pointed this out mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Trump explained himself. He said, it is very, very hard to get people, but other hotels do the exact same thing. And just so you understand, just again, this is a legal process. This is a procedure. It's part of the, the law. I take advantage of that. There's nothing wrong with it. We have no choice. Wow, the whole bunch of stuff in there, yeah. Answers yeah. there. He's starting out with it's very, very hard to get people. So he's claiming that you just can't hire Americans to do these jobs. Yeah, despite which, the fact that the prices you, that's he's what you've paying. got to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah. Um, it, it's yeah. probably fair that there are there are less people willing to do that kind of work for the for the money he's prepared to pay them. Yeah, there's a two quack way in there. Other hotels do the same thing. Yeah. He's justifying it by saying it's it's just part of the law and he's taking advantage of the law. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's some there is something wrong with doing it if you're saying no one else should do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then he ends it by saying we have no choice. Yeah, y- kind yeah, of. You I do. think going <laughs> back to the saying that you just can't get Americans to do it. Okay, but he kept on even after this. He kept on kind of pushing this and, yeah. and the next day after this debate there was a press release on trump's website that said i will end forever the use of h1b as a cheap labor program and institute an absolute requirement to hire american workers for every visa and immigration program 
no exceptions. Right. <laughs> so that's that's fairly, fairly clear. He's, clear. He's yeah. doubling down. He's presumably from that you would assume that he's just not going to use foreign workers anymore. Yeah. Because he said you have to hire American workers. Yep. No exceptions. Once he became president in April 2017, he uh, signed an executive order, which he called Buy American, Hire American, mm-hmm. uh, which basically followed through on this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Mar-a-Lago kept hiring <laughs> foreign workers. Uh, what? <laughs> it's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's what? a really yeah. big surprise. In the 2017-2018 winter season, yeah. they hired 70 temporary foreign workers. So... Should we just assume that Trump was telling the truth when he said you can't get Americans to to do this? To they don't have the skills or the inclination to do these yeah. jobs. Yeah. Well, BuzzFeed News talked to a local employment agency in Palm Beach, and their senior director told BuzzFeed that they he had a database of one thousand three hundred twenty seven Palm Beach right. County residents who were interested in server, cook, and chef positions. Yeah. He said local hotels were seeking his agency's help to fill around 850 of those kinds of jobs. But Mar-a-Lago was not one of the companies that had contacted <laughs> his agency. Right. So yeah, there are people Americans there willing to do the job. To do it. They're the looking skills. for work. But it is quite hard to get people, if you don't go and ask agencies that have those people, that's certainly a barrier to, to accessing those people. It's just not to go where they are. Yeah. And the benefits of hiring foreign workers on a temporary visa is that when you're done with them, you can send them back. <laughs> yeah. There's less requirement for you to pay holiday pay and sick pay and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's very kind of zero-hour contracts, we call it yeah. in the UK, where, where yeah. you know, if you if there's work, you get work. If there isn't, you don't get paid. Yeah. So When was that? 2017-18? So, like, he's, he's the president and... Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, well, and that's the winter <laughs> after he's signed the executive order. You get yeah, and, and the thing is... It has come out more recently as well that he has still been hiring not just foreign workers, but also undocumented immigrants Uh, on his golf courses and elsewhere because it's been made public. They are now starting to crack down on that. Yeah. The special pleading comes where he is basically making up an excuse why it's okay for him, but it's not okay for other people. Not okay for everybody else. Yeah. Our second Trump example, Mm -hmm. actually, the special pleading was not done in this case by Trump himself, but by Sean Spicer. Ah, yes. Because it's about Trump's continual accusations of Obama spending too much time on the golf course. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And saying how when he was president, he would not he would go and not play golf because he wouldn't have time to go and play golf. He'd be too busy working in the White House. And obviously he has played a lot of golf. Yeah, yeah. In, in the first two months uh, as president, <laughs> he, he went to Mar-a-Lago or his various golf courses 10 times. Whoa. And so when a, a reporter asked in the uh, press briefings that they used to have. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah. 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 Uh, when he asked, how is this different? Why, you yeah. know, he, he was criticising Obama all the time when he, was, when he was a candidate and now he plays golf a lot. Why is that okay? Yeah. And Spicer basically said that for Trump, playing golf is, is part of being president. It's, you know, it's very important because he is playing golf with key world figures like President um, Abe of, of uh, right. Japan. And right. so, you know, when he's on the golf course, he's working. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> everybody else, that like Obama, he wasn't, yeah. he was shirking his duties. He wasn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, of course, Obama played golf with David Cameron, for example, and, uh, yeah. and various Republican governors and and yeah senators and and people who he could talk about politics with and and work out deals and do yeah. things like that on the golf course for hours just at a time same. yeah just the same but but of course but, but because he's a democrat then no nah, no nah, that's yeah. just shirking your duties as a <laughs> as a politician and now is the time i think for mark's british politics corner um, so this is like bang up to date with um, Theresa May. There are such things in UK politics which are kind of cross-party committees made up of uh, serving MPs who are supposed to be providing the checks and balances of um, what's going on in mainstream politics. So the thing that's, you know, what's going on is um, Theresa May's presenting of her uh, withdrawal agreement and the deal to try and get us out of the EU. And the she was up 
in front of the Public Administration and Constitutional Affairs Select Committee, which was chaired by Bernard Jenkin. And there are various people across the political spectrum who have also thoughts about you know whether we should leave or whether we should remain within the EU. And they're asking her about, well, why haven't we left, basically, um, what you've been doing? So with this clip, we'll hear... Uh, Sir Bernard Jenkin, who is the chair of the committee, and also the he's a Tory MP, so he belongs to Theresa May's party. That's the the nice thing about these committees is that you really ask awkward questions. They're asking the awkward questions of their prime minister, the the leader of their party. So he's an MP for uh, Harwich and North Essex which is a very leave constituency, and you can kind of tell that in his asking of this question. Under what conditions are you, would you be prepared to set aside the pressures you're under in order to deliver the referendum result and exercise your legal right to refuse an offer of a further extension under Article 50, and if necessary, to leave without a deal? Well, I want us to leave the European Union. I have been working for us to leave the European Union. I have voted consistently in Parliament for us to leave the European Union. Had everybody in Parliament voted in the same way, we would no longer be a member of the European Union. This means, um, uh, I take that to mean, that um, you're not going to contemplate leaving the European Union of your own choice without a, without a withdrawal agreement. I'm making a very simple point, which is that... It is, yes, I know, I'm, and I'm, I'm answering the question in the way in which I choose to answer it. Uh, the, 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 point is, the point is very simple. I remain, I stand by the references I've made in the past that no deal is better than a bad deal. But I actually happen to think that we have a good deal. So in there, the reason it's as long as it is because there's two questions there is because it nicely that towards the end it's a, there's a callback to our last episode, the ignoratio elenchi, and answering a different question. She actually quite <laughs> um, upfront says, "Well, he says that's not the question I'm asking." He says, "I know I'm answering your question in a way I wish I choose to answer," <laughs> yeah, which bad. is just great. I love that, <laughs> and you can hear the room laughing. It's brilliant. So, but the the special pleading I would. Um, posit Malud is that um, he's basically saying so under what conditions would you just get us out of the EU and he's a, he's a leave so with all the stuff that's happened in the parliament she's tried to get this withdrawal agreement deal through three times it's been voted down three times and she's her pleading is well I've been doing all this I've voted consistently it's everybody else you know, if everyone was like me, we would be we'd be out by now. And, and she's kind of it's sort of opposite. Uh, it's, it's, it feels to me like it's still a special pleading, but it's, it's kind of the other way around. It's, you know, it, it doesn't apply to me. She's saying it's not being applying to everybody else, and that's her excuse, as it were. Her reason for still not having left the EU is because nobody's playing it according to her rules. They're all doing it wrong. I, yeah. I'm not sure that this is right. really special pleading because I think she, yeah, you're right. She's saying other people didn't play by my rules, but that's not, right. that's not special pleading. Special pleading yeah. is other people have got to, to do what I say. I don't. But I don't. I, I, yeah. Oh, I'm, okay. Ah, it's, right. It's, yeah, it's having yeah, double yeah. standards where yeah. you hold other people to a higher standard usually. Yeah. Um, because and and making an excuse for why you don't need to to do what you say other people should do. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a reverse of this fallacy, which is that other people are you know I'm doing it right, everybody else is doing it wrong. Or is I that just, just that's just? I don't think that's a fallacy. I think right. <laughs> it's just saying no, no one is doing what I want yeah. them to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just delusional stuff, isn't it? It would be fine if you just did what I wanted you to do. Yeah, I'm not being bossy. I just know what you should be doing. Yeah, that's basically what she's doing, isn't it? Yeah, I think there was just a, a note of pleading. It's a kind of, it's an odd, um, it's an odd thing because the whole Brexit thing strikes me as being a case of special pleading. It's, um, you know, we're trying to leave the EU 
but at the same time as having all the benefits of the EU because we're different. You know, we can't just leave and we want to leave the club but still have membership rights. You know, we yeah. want to, to use the Mar-a-Lago and the golf club Trump thing. You know, we want to belong to the golf club but not have to pay the fees. <laughs> and we still go in and use the bar and, you know, occasionally walk around the golf course. Another example that just occurred to me was Nigel Farage, who right. didn't he say before the referendum that if it was as close as 48-52 um, in favour of remaining, then yep. that wouldn't be the end of things. That wouldn't be acceptable to him and he would keep fighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Am I remembering yeah. that right? Yeah, um, yeah. But then when it came the other way, he was perfectly it's happy for that to be the end. Yeah. And it's unacceptable for other people it, yeah. to be fighting that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so he also said if it, he also said um, uh, if Brexit is a disaster, I will leave the country and go and live somewhere else. He still hasn't done that. Yeah, no. so he would probably go. Well, well it's not yet a disaster. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So my second example might also be a little bit dodgy, but it's fun. <laughs> so um, this is an interview between Russell Brand, who I was trying to f- find what he is. Is he a comedian? Is a comedian a writer? An He's actor? An actor oh, I, know, I suppose. Yeah, I think he was a comedian before he was an actor, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he's a writer, he's a drug addict before that. Yeah, yes, yeah. he did do, and he married, and he married Katy Perry, Perry for a, for a while. Yeah, but he was interviewed by the, the same tenacious presenter that we talked about in the last episode, Jeremy Paxman, on the self same program um, back in 2013, I think this is, and this followed. Um, well, it was kind of it's an odd thing that because Russell Brand became a kind of uh, erudite spokesman of the people. Um, in now, I think um, Jacob Rees Mogg would call himself that as well. But uh, and he edited the Spectator magazine, which um, has been published since 1828 it's a weekly and uh comes out in england it's also it's online um the oldest continually published weekly in the english language apparently so he's on there he's been the guest editor of that he's on uh news night on uh, in october 2013 and he's talking about uh, politics so paxman asks him this question but is it true you don't even vote yeah, no, I don't vote. Well, how do you have any authorities to talk about politics then? Well, I don't uh, get my authority from this pre-existing paradigm, which is quite narrow and only serves a few people. I look elsewhere for alternatives that might be of service to humanity. Alternate means, alternate political systems. Uh, they being? Well, I've not invented it yet, Jeremy. I had to do a magazine last week. I've had a lot on my plate. <laughs> So, so it's quite quite good. But now I think he kind of so his if you like his excuse. So this this rule, I'm uh, you don't vote. So why? Where do you get your authority to talk about politics? He said, "Well, I get my authority from places other than politics, from alternative um, political realities." So, you know, I do have authority. It's just it's different from you, different from yours. And then Paxton presses him and says, so what are they? And then his get out is, well, I haven't invented them yet, which is uh, kind mm-hmm. of disingenuous because he's, he's going, well, here here they are. This is me. I'm. You should listen to me. I'm a, um, uh, a very well-spoken and erudite kind of guy with some – uh, strangely alternative views, but I, but those views empower me to to be able to speak with authority on this subject. And he goes, "Oh, okay. So what are those? Well, well they don't exist. <laughs> so yeah. what? So yeah, he's know. not. He, yeah, he's. I think I'm going to push back a little bit on this one because mm-hmm. um, I think he's kind of mostly defending not voting in this yeah Yeah. um which isn't his rule he's as far as he's concerned no one should vote because it's a waste of time and you know democracy is all about making 
rich people richer. Um, yeah. And and so he is consistent with his own rule, but arguably um, you could say that, that he is making up an excuse why he doesn't fit in with society in general, who at the least most people would say that if you're going to try and talk about politics and be politically active and be, mm. um, you know, try and be a thought leader in that area, yeah. then, then taking an active role in the voting system that we have at the moment is probably the least you should do. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, he is making an excuse for why he doesn't follow that rule. And the excuse yeah. that he has is somewhat disingenuous might be unfair, but is, is, yeah, made up on the spot, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. What was, yeah, what's one of the alternative things? It's ad hoc reasoning. So it's that, yeah, mm. so it's kind of, yeah, made up on the spot. But I think it's, but in the context of the, yeah, the whole interview is, is across, well, why is it useless to vote? The irony being that, mm, I don't, I think, when was this? So this was around the time that the general election was called and the coalition between the Liberal Party and the Tories got in um, with Cameron, or was it after that? Anyway, and but what happened was that Russell Brand changed his mind and he said, yeah, you should vote, and uh, because if you don't, this happens, because um, other people do. So, um, so, but I think within and, and this... Paxo here is being really quite combative <laughs> in this mm. interview. He's... Yeah. He's taking a bit of a devil's advocate role, I think, in, yeah. in that he admits several times that he actually agrees with a lot of what Russell Brand is saying, but yeah. he's still kind of pushing back and poking and trying to get him to um, justify himself. Yeah, um, well, he's trying to say, yeah, well, we're, enough, we're, we're, so I think in this little bit, he's saying, well, we're, you know, so I don't need to obey the rules like everybody else because I obey a set of different authorities yeah. and he said well what are they he said well oh, I haven't made them up yet so his um, his reason for not not going along with everybody else is non-existent he just doesn't do it that's my you know he's kind of pleading special circumstances which are well I follow a, a, an alternate set of um, you know authorities and he said, oh, oh, okay, so that's your reason for not doing that. Well, what are they? He said, well, they don't exist. Yeah. So that's, yeah, which is, okay. I mean, it's it's kind of, all right. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah, but you're right. The, the general rule is people shouldn't vote because of, the, you know, it doesn't have, doesn't make any effect. It turns out it does. And uh, he changes his mind. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. On the 25th anniversary of uh, Fallacy Life, which they later renamed Park Life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because we are on episode 25 and it's, it's 25 years since Park, Park Life came out. So I thought that was Good particularly time. apt. Yeah. <laughs> so in the Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from Frasier. Yep. This is an episode where... Niles has been um, investing on Daphne's behalf mm-hmm. and and has been pretending that um, the investments have been going well because when he brings her back money that is kind of like winnings basically for her, she is yep. very excited and hugs him and kisses him. Yeah, and yeah. He likes that. <laughs> so so yeah. he, she is continually giving him money and he's coming back with more money and saying how well she's done. Right. So, um, so basically he's lying to her. And uh, meanwhile, Frasier is dating a, a kind of pop psychology author who writes these kind of trite self-help books mm-hmm. and is pretending to her that he likes her writing and thinks that she's great. So oh. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're both lying to the women that they, they want to be with. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, Frasier says that Niles should stop what he's doing. And it comes up, comes out like this. 
snap out of it. What you were doing was completely dishonest. Oh, sit the pot to the kettle. What, what is that supposed to mean? I think you know what it means. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Our two situations are totally different. Oh, really? How so? Well, for one thing, you've been misleading a woman for your own selfish gain. And so are you. Well, I'm not finished. She was also trusting you to tell the truth. Oh, and the difference would be... Your woman is English. <laughs> Treasure, you've lost this one. I know. I know. It's just going to take a little while to climb down off of this particular high horse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I miss Fraser. It's, it's just perfect, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There it is, yeah. So What's the, the difference? Oh. The best Fraser can come up with in the moment is, yeah. is that Daphne is English, and that's what makes yeah. it different. <laughs> yeah, I love that. When they just kind of go, oh, and the difference is, oh, well, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. So uh, our second example comes from um, uh, an old program where james randy uh would occasionally debunk various people who claimed that they had paranormal powers mm. uh, and this particular example is a guy called james hydrick who uh, claimed that he had uh, the ability to move things with his mind and uh, he would he would um kind of balance a pencil on the edge of a table and and gesture around it and it would fall off the table mm. and he would move pages from of a telephone directory of yellow pages so randy did this thing even up to just a few years ago where he was prepared to pay people if they could actually do paranormal things under skeptical conditions under mm. conditions where it would be difficult to do it without it being paranormal yeah so in this tv program he had the uh, the yellow pages laid out the telephone book and it was his theory that actually what Heydrich was doing was just blowing very subtly and mm. making the pages turn. Right. So he he scattered some styrofoam peanuts around on the table so that uh -huh. if yep. Heydrich yep. blew, they would move. They would move as well, yeah. And um, suddenly it became a lot more difficult. Mm. So, And since Heydrich couldn't then do it, uh, he had to come up with an excuse. So he said this. The styrofoam... And the lights form electricity, which pulls the page. Look. It pulls the page down instead of freeing the pages. All right. And uh, what would you like to ask us to ask Randy to allow you to do or for me to, to do. To either take something else, either lighter or something that is going to keep, that isn't going to form like static electricity. You mean put something else, some other material around something here? Something that is not foam. Foam causes static electricity and the light is what heats it up. All right, Randy, is there anything else that you can put around the telephone directly? I've heard the question, but the question is not valid because it's making an assumption which is not true. The foam does not in any way create static electricity, and Mr. Heydrich, in demonstrating that the pages were clinging together, didn't demonstrate it to my satisfaction. I think uh, we could perhaps ask the judges for their opinion on that. I am not a scientist, so I'm not qualified to declare on it. Judges? Whatever static electricity exists in the styrofoam would not really affect the movement of the page or the clinging of the pages together my opinion i would i would add that if this is in fact psychic functioning i don't really see why that would make a difference <laughs> so <laughs> we'll we will have the video of this on our show notes yeah and you can see in that bit where no one was talking for a while uh Heydrich was was attempting to show that the pages were being pulled together by, with that by static electricity and yeah. completely failing to show that they, he, they, the pages weren't flopping back down to where he lifted them up from they were kind yeah. of doing yeah. what you would expect pages three. yeah so the the rule here essentially uh is that he had this ability that he was able to mm. do this um mm. and and he was put into a position where he suddenly wasn't able to do it because mm. perhaps the paranormal explanation that he had for it wasn't real so he had to come up with an excuse and you yeah. see this time and time again there's loads of videos on youtube of randy exposing and debunking people who believe or claim to believe that they have psych um psychic powers or paranormal powers um there's a great video of uh yuri geller on um the uh tonight show with johnny carson uh, yeah. and he um 
Johnny Carson is a magician as well, was a magician, and he spoke to Randy and they arranged to have their own kind of spoons and things like this and, and things for Yuri Geller to do. And all yeah. of a sudden, the the kind of, he wasn't feeling psychically strong. The fluence, like he couldn't yeah, the fluence left him. Yeah, yeah. I can remember yeah. Randy saying... Um, he said that, you know, that often happens. It's, it's strange, you know, under these kind of uh, scientific conditions where we set the stage, um, people's psychic powers often, you know, are, are uh, ill that day. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it yeah. happens uh, with people who genuinely believe that they are able to do it as well. One common example is Dowsers. There was a programme on Channel 4 a while ago with uh, Darren Brown. I think he had hidden some some buckets of water underground and got people who believed that they had the ability to detect water using dowsing rods to come and, and, you know, test their skills, basically Mm. find the, Mm. the water. And they were all absolutely confident beforehand that they would be able to do it. They weren't able to do it <laughs> because it was done under, you know, experimental conditions. Yeah. And they all came up with explanations as to why they couldn't do it in that particular situation. And wow. as far as we can tell, they really genuinely believed that they had those abilities and would, would do it. It wasn't something that they were kind of making any money off or, or trying to, yeah. to fool anyone yeah. with. And it's just when, you know, when that situation happens where you think this is this is what should happen, this is what will happen, and then it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You come up with an excuse and you make reasons. So that so it must be that there are no examples uh, under experimental conditions, you know, in a TV studio, for instance, where there is film of people doing it. Because you know, uh, there's a whole bunch of things where Randy is saying, "Oh, that's odd." That that, that yeah, that always happens. Uh, <laughs> there's lots of those where it doesn't happen, but there there are yeah. Very few where it does. So it's, yeah, we, hey, we must go back. In the light of this episode, it'd be good to go back and listen to all the excuses. Well, Randy and his educational foundation had a prize that at the time in the 70s, I think, was about mm. $10,000 that he was prepared to pay someone who could prove that they had paranormal powers. It went up to a million dollars in the end. Wow. Um, wow. And no one was able to claim it. And there were multiple people who tried. Yeah. In fact, our previous guest on another episode marsh from the merseyside skeptics was involved in a few of the kind of early trials of of people who who they were going through the process of trying to get to the point where they could prove it to randy basically so that they could go for the million and they worked out the experimental conditions with the skeptics and with the the psychics and and people like that everyone agreed to it and said yes i'll be able to do it under these conditions and they weren't ever able to do it wow that's a great game show isn't it just yeah. Be, yeah, that would be kind of, you know, who wants to be a millionaire or who can move a millionaire without any, without using their hands or something like that. That's great, isn't it? Oh, I think we should, we should tout that. Uh, Channel 5 would love that, wouldn't they? That's a, yeah. yeah. Who can move a millionaire? Who can move a millionaire? There we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or you and you just have you'd have the the million dollars in a perspex cube, um, in a and yeah, and then we need Matt LeBlanc to um present it, yeah, <laughs> in another perspex cube, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, as Mark said earlier on, it is episode 25. Yeah, uh, we're very excited to have reached this milestone. And yep. as a kind of celebration, we've created a, a little competition for for people in our Facebook group. So go to facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump and uh, you can and enter this competition. Basically, it's like a kind of Deadpool where yeah. you choose people <laughs> and then uh, get points if they die. But in this case, it's not if they die, it's if they get fired or resigned from Trump's administration. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I've made a list of the uh, kind of fifty most important people in the in the administration and in kind of related agencies, yeah. and uh, and it's all the score is based on how long they manage to stay in the job. So if you choose someone who who is out of a job within a few months, you get lots of points. If they've managed to stay in the job for several years, then the points are less. <laughs> And yeah. essentially you pick 10 names from the list and, and email them to me and we keep the score going and keep a leaderboard. And whoever 
as of January 20th, 2020, yep. has the, the most points, will win some Fallacious Trump merch. Yay! The thing is, between you compiling that list and <laughs> us launching this, two people have gone already. Yeah. That's how <laughs> um, volatile it is. You know, that's how live the damn thing is. Yeah. Yeah, currently I'm waiting to find out who's going to take over from Rod Rosenstein as Deputy Attorney General so that I can put them into the list instead of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't bother writing it down because he won't be there long. So, yeah, sign up. and Yeah, you can go to the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Fallacious Trump. You can go, yeah. you can go direct to fallaciousTrump.com slash Deadpool. There you go. Um, and that will take you straight to the list. And, uh, yeah, the rules are there. Follow the instructions. And uh, you've got until the 1st of June to to sign up so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news folks i love the game it's a great game i understand the game as well as anybody as well as anybody yes it's time for fake news the game where i read out three trump quotes two of which are real and one i made up and mark has to figure out which one is fake news yeah i'm just i'd just like to say that actually you see under these particular set of rules um you know the fact that i lose a lot is is neither here nor there that's <laughs> you know the the rule they that bit what we should be looking at is the way that we should be scoring it is like every time i win that counts and then we just ignore the ones that don't because that's that's only fair so you're saying we should just say you're currently on 8 yeah. Instead of eight out of twenty. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you know, well, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our theme this week, uh, as you'll remember, recently uh, Michelle Bachman claimed that Trump was very godly and the most biblical president that she's ever seen. Yep. And so the theme this week is religion. Oh, okay. So, statement one: I have a great relationship with God. I don't want to, it's very personal to me, but you look at my golf courses. I own the most beautiful golf courses all around the world, and I built those. I'm a great builder, but you can't compete with God. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Statement two. Yep. I go as much as I can, always on Christmas, always on Easter, always when there's a major occasion, and during the Sundays. I'm a Sunday church person. I'll go when I can. Right. Right. Oh, that sounds like the character out of Modern Family who, who never goes to the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or statement number three. Mm -hmm. People are so proud to be using that beautiful word God, and they're using the word God again. They're not hiding from it, and they're not being told to take it down, and they're not saying we can't honour God. Ah, yeah. Mm, okay, well, that one reminds me of the uh, being able to say Merry Christmas. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. He's, even when he's talking about God, he turns it into talking about himself. That's right. You know, I know it's feel good, but I, you can't compete with God. You know, the, the unfinished, the unspoken bit is he built the earth in seven <laughs> seven days. I'm I'm a great builder, but I'm I'm a, he's, it's a humble brag right there. Okay, I go as much as I can. Always on Christmas. Always on Easter. Oh, the trouble is just so damn good. <laughs> good. I can hear him saying them. <laughs> uh, okay, I mm, I think number mm, number one is probably okay. Right, uh, I think number three is the one you made up. Okay. Mm. So, of the other two, which are you more confident about? Uh, I think number one, I think you said. Okay. Mm -hmm. So number one yeah. is fake news. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. That's really good. Oh, I'm disappointed because I want to hear him <laughs> say it. Well, I think we should mash it up so we can, we can hear him say it. That, yeah. oh, brilliant. Yeah. So I thought number three was was fake because that's a bit like the Merry Christmas one, doesn't it? Or you, you're not allowed to say. Yeah. No. That, it's, whole that thing. was actually number three was just this week. Uh, oh, really? National National Day of Prayer, and um, and Trump claimed that um, that basically his faith got him through the the whole Mueller thing, the Russian hoax, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> Right, and, and he was saying to you know to Mike Pence, you know how yeah. they they just think about God when they when they need to. 
Okay. So yeah, so he, he said it. Here we go. Okay. Right. People are so proud to be using that beautiful word God. And they're using the word God again. And they're not hiding from it. And they're not being told to take it down. And they're not saying we can't honor God. Yeah, because previously no one was saying God. No. Well, was or just God. You never yeah, heard that. yeah. No, no, no! You never, yeah. never heard it anywhere. People were no. being told to take it down before. Exactly, apparently. take down that word. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and take from down it. The, and the word of God. Yeah, see, see, it's almost saying what he's saying is almost make God great again. Yeah, see, that's it. Oh, he's claiming basically that he brought back God. He brought back God. Yeah, <laughs> being so so very yeah. godly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just, he is biblical in every sense of the word, isn't he? Yeah. Wow. Oh my god. Oh okay. So that so that wow. So that means the Sunday's one is also two. real. Yes. Number two was an interview that he gave before he became president with um the Christian Broadcast Network. And yeah. uh, and it was full of awkward moments. Yeah. He talked about how loads of people sent him Bibles. Um, and he has a special place that he puts them. He doesn't ever throw them away or get rid of them or anything like that. He has it's he called keeps a church. Them all. Yeah. yeah, and they have a they have a very special room. Uh, <laughs> um, and and the yeah, Bible yeah, room. That's also, why it's biblical. He just goes has lots of Bibles. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's and he Bible-ish. was asked. He was asked if he went to church, and yeah, and that is what he said. I go as much as I can, always on Christmas, always on Easter, uh, always when there's a major occasion. And during the during the Sundays, I'm a Sunday church person. I'll go when I can. <laughs> during the Sundays. During the Sundays. The, <laughs> that's like during during that. There's the Easter and the and then the Sundays. <laughs> that what the? That's a bit like his Easter one the other day, isn't it? From last episode. But it's just what <laughs> it's just it's bullshit. It's complete oh, yeah. and utter. Made up on the anyway, it's ad hoc reasoning, isn't it? Yeah, I go as much as I can. Let me just think. What are we talking about? Church? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So Christmas. Uh, yeah, what else is that? F- yeah, funerals, funerals. Yeah, he used to talk uh, about the pastor at his his church, his Presbyterian yeah. church that he definitely always went to. He talked about this guy so much that actually the pastor's son complained and said he should stop talking about him because <laughs> his father would not be like it. He wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, and on the Sundays, <laughs> I'm a Sunday church person. I'll go. So, when I can. Uh, that means unfortunately that you are now uh, at exactly chance eight out of 24. So oh, oh, yeah. three recurring percent. Yeah. Um, Those point three recurrings. We love them. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, to, to I said, we, yeah, yeah. See, we don't, we can't focus on those bits. We just, yes. you know, you are, I still you, you I remain still at eight. eight. Still at eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, podcast listeners, this is episode twenty-five, and yeah. um, this is your last chance <laughs> right. to to send us <laughs> a convincing fake Trump quote because I've asked enough, yeah. and you've let me down. Frankly, yeah. So, and actually, you so if you well, it's obviously don't need any help, Jim. Because, you know, <laughs> well, that's, that's fair. But yeah, um, if you if you do think that you can make up a convincing fake Trump quote, then uh, then this is your one opportunity now to send it to us, and I'll stop asking because obviously it's not getting me anywhere. So um, share this episode on Twitter, include your quote in the hashtag fallacious Trump. I'll pick their best one, and you'll be podcast famous. The issues splitting our society are too often discussed out of context and lack clarity. To combat this, we break down today's issues and view them through the lens of history. We are a former Democrat and former Republican whose parties have left us. With open minds, facts, and history as our guides, we have embarked on a quest for political truth. Come join us at Context and Clarity Podcast where we are not enemies, but friends. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Tariffs are Not a Logical Fallacy, because Trump has been at it again. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, God. Yeah. And, and what he has been at specifically is 
is completely misunderstanding how tariffs work yeah. and how trade works and how deficits are work and all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> last week he tweeted for 10 months, China has been paying tariffs to the USA of 25% and $50 billion of high tech and 10% and $200 billion of other goods. These payments are partially responsible for our great economic results. And that is not true. Because <laughs> he is a fucking idiot and doesn't understand that China isn't paying anything. No. <laughs> when, when you put tariffs on imports, <laughs> yeah. the Chinese people still send the same stuff and yeah. get the same amount of money. Yeah. And American people pay the tax, pay, more. pay yeah. the tariff, <laughs> and they pay that to the treasury. Yeah. They do not pay the Chinese, and the Chinese do not you pay America. pay the treasury, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's really basic, this it's, stuff. Uh... It's, not, it's not complicated. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's money, and he knows money. He knows he's oh, the God. best at money. So anybody who doesn't know that, stuff doesn't know what he knows which is nothing he doesn't trust them at all and then he kind of confuses the issue and then all his you know slack-jawed followers um no apologies just kind of go yeah you're right yeah they all go yeah you're right yeah and they're the ones that end up paying the extra to yeah. buy things and then have less money to put into the american economy when buying American things. Absolutely. And this is because Trump thinks that if there's a trade deficit, mm. that means America is losing money. Yeah. Because deficit means losing money. That's, yeah, yeah. That, he understands that bit. Yeah. But he doesn't get that. Or it, there's a there's a balance. There's, there's stuff coming from China to America that people yeah. are buying. And the fact that they can buy that stuff cheaper when it's mm -hmm. coming from China than they can from American companies means they have more money left over to spend mm. on American stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and also at the same time, America is exporting stuff to China and Chinese people are paying for that. And yeah. there is a balance. And the fact that people are buying more stuff from China than the Chinese people are buying from America isn't a bad thing. It, yeah. it means that they're getting the same stuff cheaper and, yeah. And it just, it, it's like saying, you know, I've, I've lost hundreds of pounds a week to the supermarket, to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. And, they, and, got, and the, I've got a trade got deficit with the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. It's I've spent the money, I've gave, given them money and all I've got from them is goods. Yeah. And the value of the goods is <laughs> not worth what I've paid for them. Yeah. You it's know, insane. Or, yeah. Yeah. And it's what, well, and it's not, and some of those goods that you get from China aren't made in America. Yeah, so absolutely. you can't get them like, in America. You know, Trump brand ties and things like that—they're <laughs> made in China. So exactly, yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. Well, Trump golf balls, yes. Yeah. Well, of course, because there'll be a rule that uh, only applies to him vis-a-vis -vis Trump ties. But yeah. yeah. But he, so he's decided that he's going to start taxing the, all of the stuff that has been 10%, all of the tariffs yeah. that have been at 10%, he's going to put 25% tariffs on those. So basically right. it's going to be all of the stuff that's coming from China is going to be 25%. So he's charging the American people basically extra. More money. To, to annoy a, the Chinese. And the Chinese aren't bothered. No. <laughs> it's not affecting well, them at all. No, because they're just going, well, we'll... We'll still sell the same stuff because yeah, you can't because you can't cheaper. get it in America, yeah. <laughs> or you or it's cheaper than what it is in America. It's and just this is the same with the steel tariffs, where he has he has put tariffs on importing steel from yep. from China, from Canada, from Mexico, from basically everywhere else outside of the US. Mm. In a theory that that will mean people will buy American steel, and that will add jobs in the, the kind of steel manufacturing economy, yeah. which is true to a certain extent <laughs> in that it has increased the, the, the viability of selling American steel, US steel, mm -hmm. according to the Alliance of American Manufacturing, created 
12,700 new well-paying jobs. Right. It's created or saved that many jobs at steel and aluminium factories right. since the president put the policy in place in March of 2018. Oh, right. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, yeah. for every one person who works in the steel-creating industry, yeah. 80 people work oh. in industries that use steel. Right. And those people, yeah. those industries, those companies are yeah. now paying more for their steel. Yeah. So companies like Riverdale Mills yeah. in yeah. Massachusetts, which makes wire mesh products yeah. uh, from like fences and commercial fishing nets and things like that, they use steel. They don't make it. They've had yeah. to pay more for their steel because of the tariffs, and they have laid off a quarter of their workforce. Oh, yeah. oh Well, to be fair, they have uh, stopped rehiring when people leave. So ultimately right. that means that their 200-person workforce has reduced by 50. So Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. The jobs jobs are increasing in the steel manufacturing industry and they are decreasing elsewhere mm. and it is costing Americans money. Mm. And in fact, according to um, the Peterson Institute, they have calculated that every steel job saved mm. is costing US consumers over $900,000. Whoa. Because of US companies having to pay 10% more for steel yeah. since the tariffs yeah. went into effect. Wow. So the the total additional cost to the US economy is $11.5 billion a year because of the tariffs. Whoa. So, I mean, you could literally give those 12,700 people yeah. a really well-paid job, like a $100,000 job, yeah. doing nothing at all, sitting on their ass, and, and it would saving be an enormous amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's happening to the man in the Oval Office. He's been paid an enormous amount of money to sit on his ass and do nothing. Well, he's not, he's not taking a salary, even, Trump. He's, uh, oh. he's doing it for nothing. He's, he's ruining the country out of the goodness of his own heart. His own heart. That's, God bless him. Yeah. He's making America <laughs> great again. Mm. <laughs> mm. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. On April 26th, Trump tweeted... President Donald J. Trump is the greatest hostage negotiator that I know of in the history of the United States. 20 hostages, many in impossible circumstances, have been released in the last two years. No money was paid. And he attributed that quote to mm. Chief Hostage Negotiator USA. Chief oh, spelt wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Now, that's a job. leaving aside for yeah. the moment that there's, there's no evidence that this was ever said by anyone. No. Um, the reference to no money paid was presumably in response to an article in the Washington Post reporting that the White House agreed to pay North Korea $2 million for the release of US student Otto Warmbier. Lorax, who speaks for the bombs, John Bolton, confirmed that the US did sign an agreement promising to pay the money, but didn't actually pay any of it. I mean, you've got to admit, when it comes to paying people what he promised them, Trump is remarkably consistent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our very favourite incompetent slime balls, Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman, and be doing their surreptitious best undercover work again to smear Democrats. Well, that is to say it's rubbish. This time, however, they've used real people to make allegations against Pete Buttigieg, or as Trump says it, They have a young man, boot edge edge. Boot edge edge. They say edge edge. He's got a great chance, doesn't he? He'll be great. He'll be great. Representing us against President Xi of China. That'll be great. That'll be great. I want to be in that room. I want to watch that one. <laughs> the source who spoke to the Daily Beast said that Berkman and Wall flew out to meet him, introduced themselves using false names, but he recognised them from previous reports about their exploits. Duh. And he taped the conversation. Another source, Hunter Kelly, wrote that he did not control the newly created Medium and Twitter accounts that posted allegations under his name, all against Pete Buttigieg. Told the Beast were reporting on apparent efforts by Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman to drum up false sexual assault allegations against Buttigieg. Kelly replied, I was unaware that this was happening, but yes, it's true. So... One step nearer to reality using real people, boys, but still nowhere near the truth. I actually feel a comedy villain duo series coming on. Berkman and Wall. 
Lindsey Graham opened a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing last week by saying, here's the Mueller report. You can read it for yourself. It's about 400 and something pages. I can't say I've read it all, but I've read most of it. This isn't great since the hearing was about the Mueller report and Graham is the fucking chairman of the committee. (laughs) Even worse, though, is that William Barr doesn't seem to have read it. When Cory Booker referred to the campaign sharing polling data, Barr asked, with who? And under questioning from Kamala Harris, he admitted that he'd made his decision not to prosecute Trump for obstruction of justice without reading any of the underlying evidence attached to the report. Let's be honest, it would have been difficult since he made that decision sometime in 2018. Ah, nice. Great news. The Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee has subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr. to ask, answer questions about his previous testimony before Senate investigators in relation to the Russian investigation. Despite Don Jr.'s people moaning about having already talked to them and staying till we got all the answers and complaining, well, why are we fighting Republicans? The committee probably wants to reconcile Mini Cheeto's peripheral awareness of the Moscow Trump Tower project with Jailbird Cohen's testimony that he briefed him 10 times on the project. Yeah, it seems obfuscation and obstruction is, after all, a genetic trait. Oh, as is collusion. In a move which is exactly what a totally innocent person would do, Trump has asserted executive privilege over the unredacted parts of the Mueller report and all underlying evidence, presumably because he wants to protect people from finding out just how incredibly innocent he is. This move seems to be in response to the House Judiciary Committee voting to hold Bill Barr in contempt for refusing to show up and testify about how very, very innocent the president is. The assertion of executive privilege will probably also prevent former White House counsel Don McGahn from testifying about the complete lack of any crimes committed by the president. Hmm. Great news. Trump would have been charged with obstruction were he not president. Hundreds of former federal prosecutors assert. Do we really need to say anything more? 450 former federal prosecutors can't be wrong. But we wait for Trump to come up with 450 new nicknames in order to prove them wrong, hey? When Trump pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal almost exactly a year ago, one of the reasons was that it only limited Iran's nuclear capability for 15 years. The US then reimposed their old sanctions on Iran and promised new sanctions on any countries trading with Iran. In a totally unpredictable step, Iran has announced this week that unless the country is allowed back into the international financial system, they will resume production of centrifuges and start accumulating nuclear material. But on the plus side... No, I can't think of anything. No, no. I love that it seems in Trump world that it's legitimate for him to believe that it's okay for him to say that the billions he lost throughout the 80s and 90s, the largest tax lost by any individual in US existence ever, and that's not a Trump post, that these were for tax purposes. Well, duh, we know, and it's still a despicable and heinous and immoral act. And appealing somehow to, oh, they were different times, doesn't excuse it. Um, um, The Catholic Church, (laughs) Jimmy Savile. Trump genuinely believes we are living in the alternate Biff Tannen timeline. Great Scott! To be fair, I don't think it's the largest tax lost by any individual in the US existence ever. I I think that's more of a Trump thing. Oh, is it? I think it was in 1991, he lost more money in his Mm. business Mm. than anyone else that year. And in fact, I think by a factor of two, he was like the nearest (gasps) next person was, was half as much loss. So. (laughs) And it's just the way he kind of playfully says, Oh yeah, we did it all the time. Yeah. That's what you just do. Sport. Yeah. 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 And you think, (laughs) well, and then you just go, Oh yeah. Well, the reason we did that was so that we could just write off the tax. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make it right. (laughs) So, that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our newest patron, Alan Firth. 
Thanks, Alan. You can also connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump, where you can enter our Trump Deadpool competition. Uh, I was a guest on the Drop the Pilot podcast last week, where I talked about Steel Justice, a truly awful film about a giant metal dinosaur that has the soul of a cop's murdered son inside it. So if you want to listen to that, there's a link in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to the Context and Clarity podcast, whose promo we played earlier in the show. All music is by The Outburst and was used with permission. So until next time on Felicia's Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. Lindsey Graham opened a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing last week by saying, here's the Mueller report. You can read it for yourself. It's about 400 and something pages. I can't say I've read it all, but I've read most of it. I'm going to have another go at that Lindsey Graham quote because I did not get his accent at all. So I'm just going to read okay. it yep. normally because <laughs> I, I don't okay. know why I thought I could just do it off the top of my head. Because <laughs> <laughs> you could hear it in your head. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, when oh, he yeah. said it, I thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I um, hear it. So I'm yeah. just going to read it like a normal person. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>